Don Rahul Jimenez. How amateur is that? Like, you don't even see that down in the park. If they, if they lose, it provides great content. I am supporting every team that plays break. I'm not making a documentary this year about how shit my club is. Mudman, thank you as always. Who would you rather lose it to, by the way, me or Johnny? That's somebody's choice. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Sports Babble. Still have the name for our European World Football bonus show. So, I mean, I ask every guest we have on any week. If they have a lame for us, give it to us. Um, maybe our guest this week will be able to help us. It's myself, uh, Phil, Breton and Pat here um, to talk to the very brilliant Robbie Dunn, Spanish football journalist based in Madrid, works for AAS and also has his own blog on High Liga. Robbie, hello. Very welcome to Sports Babble. How are you doing, fellas? Uh, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, always nice to talk to another fellow Irishman, and especially one that's doing very well for himself over Madrid. How are you anyway, Robbie, and how are you finding this La Liga season before we get into the net and gritty of what's been going on? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm fine. Uh, I, it's a little bit strange given the fact that there's no crowds and journalists, especially <laughs> of my uh, stature, aren't allowed into stadiums. So, yeah, it's been a bit strange in that respect. Um I, I find that, uh, yeah, obviously without the crowds, there's a lot of people kind of lose a little bit of interest in it. It has definitely lost that kind of, I don't know, I suppose, a je ne sais quoi, as the French say, like it's lost something. <laughs> it's lost something, definitely. But, um, no, I mean, given the fact that it's so competitive, Atletico look like they're going to possibly uh, definitely challenge until the end and maybe win it. Um, and then the, the top four competition seems to be fairly decent as well so yeah plenty to talk about plenty um and plenty of action and plenty of uh controversy as well as i'm sure we'll get into later on in the pod yeah certainly before we get into the actual football this season and perhaps going forward and different things and even maybe your your best la liga memory uh, what got you into football journalism and what took you to spain um well uh, I was living in. I lived in America for a while as a as a as a younger man, and and uh, I was I was doing what most Irish people do there, bartending and and things like that. Came home, uh, got a job in a telecommunications company. A friend of mine run, owns a company here in in Kildare, and um, he. I, I was working with him, and and then just I didn't like it, and I had. Being in Chicago, I started to learn some Spanish with with some of the Mexican guys I was working with and some of the some of the friends I had made, and I continued to learn Spanish when I came home. And I was uh, and I always liked La Liga, but I started to really get into it then. Uh, uh, good few years ago, uh, continued to learn Spanish. Met my partner who's Spanish, um, and we had always kind of planned to move to Spain. So she. Uh, so she, both her and I moved to Madrid then, 2016, and I just, uh, I mean, like, just, I, I wrote a book about Rayo Vallecano, and, and I, 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 I honestly, like, if you asked me to explain that, I, I, I just made up my mind one day I was going to write a book, and I decided it was going to be about Rayo because they fascinated me, and uh, went from there, made contacts through writing the book, uh, a friend of mine, Paul Reedy, who you might know from Twitter, and yep. met him, then he got me a job in Ass, and then just went from there basically, and and just uh, been been in Spain since. And uh, yeah, that's that's the story. I'm sticking to you, it. You, when you wrote Working Class Heroes, like did did you find yourself sort of falling in love with Rayo Vallecano? Yeah, I, I would share a lot of the fans. I mean. I don't know if you guys like GEA, but that would have been my, GEA would have been my sport growing up in and 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 our and our house here in Kildare is just GEA mad. Like I mean, uh, loved it, absolutely loved it. Played soccer obviously until I was about maybe eleven, twelve, but then football took over, um, and I all of this all of the same kind of communal values that we would have going to GEA matches together, that kind of familial atmosphere. Um, uh, things like that. Rio have those things, and 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 
given the fact that Vallecas is such a kind of a small little town in the outskirts of Madrid. I, I definitely felt that, but I, I, I mean, I, I was under too much pressure at the time to really feel much of anything, really, because I, like I didn't really know what I was doing either. Like, if 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 you ever write a book, like there's no, especially like one for first time author who an unknown first time author, like you know, I I I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't really have anyone to go to turn to. Like, I mean, it's um, it's not like I'd imagine say someone who gets a three-year book deal or gets paid a hundred grand to just go off and, and, and spend three or four years researching it. I just kind of, for the first six months, I didn't know what I was doing until then. The story kind of started coming together. And even at that, I mean, and then I was like, after six or seven or eight months, I was like, right, I've got like 70, 60,000 words here. I, as long as I can kind of keep this going and uh, turn turn it into some kind of a narrative with some kind of a, a structure, I should be able to pu- get this published, like, you know, and then went from there. But, yeah, it was a fairly stressful time, and I would change a lot going back now as to how I did it and how I approached it. But uh, a learning experience like all of them, and then, and uh, I got it done in the end. So, um, yeah, a fascinating time. Covering La Liga, is it – sometimes La Liga feels like it's it's – not not a grind's the wrong word because just feels like there's so much tension around it and and is that is that true? Because I've listened to say the Spanish football podcast and you can sometimes feel from Phil and Sid that there's so much tension. Race football in Spain just seems to be just adored on another level. Maybe even to what what we experience over here. It, it, would that be something right, or am I picking that up wrong? No, absolutely. Yeah, but it, but it's all kind of. I mean, if you're talking about Real Madrid and Barcelona, yeah, like they, they, it's kind of a difficult one because I work in ass and we work, we, we have a, the ass English department, obviously, and we've got an editor, um, and he, he's a Scottish guy and, 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 and no, brilliant, lovely man. And he, um, we always talk about like the different clubs and stuff like that. And, and I suppose I'm just speaking now from going from Spanish to English perspective. There's not as much interest in the smaller teams, like as 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 people who love Spanish football would think. Like we think, oh, Athletic Bilbao fired their manager. That's huge news. That's huge yeah. news. In reality, like nobody really cares. Like you know, and, and that's the sad thing about it. Uh, in in that like, so like football is local completely. Like and and unless unless you're kind of working in the industry or you have loads and loads of time, you're kind of younger, maybe going to college. It's hard to keep up with the amount of content that's, that's uh, thrown our way these days with Twitter, with, with all the games, with, uh, with, with, with everything, um, all the articles, blogs, uh, everything. It's hard to keep up. Like, so if you're kind of, you'd have to have some serious time in your hand to keep up. But, but, but uh, in, in terms of the uh, Spanish football, kind of there being tension, it's mostly just the, Span- the the Real Madrid and Barcelona, and, and and a lot of that is kind of melodrama as well. Like you know, I mean, yeah. one side one side constantly feels aggrieved. Uh, every the whole entire universe revolves around those two teams, and like, <laughs> not nothing nothing happens without uh, you know. And, and you see it, and it's kind of sad in some ways. Like for example, you only really hear about say Michel at Huesca before they play Real Madrid and you see you do a big in-depth interview with him and the only reason he's he's uh, he's important at the moment is because they're playing Real Madrid and stuff like that but obviously then you get like kind of hardcore groups of, or not I mean football is absolutely huge in Spain don't get me wrong but on a kind of a, on a national scale it is pretty much all Real Madrid and Barcelona and, and the whole entire football universe revolves around them or at least they think so and the two major newspapers in Madrid uh, Mark and Ass are are all about that too. Like so, yeah. It's um it and 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 then the tension that comes from that, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And then you obviously get the journalists who just kind of poke at that constantly, always yeah. grieved or else gloating. And I mean, that's uh, that's just kind of natural. But that's the way Spanish television is in general. Like you watch some of the late night chat shows here. And it's like it's like absolutely surreal. It's surreal television. It's absurd. These gossip shows where there's people on 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 um on phones hearing gossip about this. And I I, I asked my girlfriend, what, what why is he on his phone? And she's like, oh, well, he's getting kind of gossip about something. I'm like, and and the people actually like 
And there is the TV, the talk show, and I'm like, ah, like it, that's just kind of the, I suppose, the nature of the some of the Spanish television too. So that's just uh, maybe the way that they are a, a cultural quirk. Um, this year's La Liga, though, <clears throat> would it be fair to say we have league, Robbie? <laughs> yeah, I I think so. Yeah, I mean. I, and I, I was just talking to, to you the other day, Phil, about like mm-hmm. Atletico, and, and they've got a really interesting summer coming up, regardless of what happens, because when you think about it, they're in such a dominant position now, and uh, I mean, we're halfway through the league, basically, and they've got, let's say that they win their two games in hand, they've got an eight-point lead. The reality of the situation is, is that either Atletico Madrid win the league, or else Diego Simeone's time at Atletico probably comes to an end because if he lets this lead slip, I think that uh, it probably is time for him maybe to move on, you know? Um, or else they win the league and he says, right, let's go. We'll, 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 we'll turn this into maybe my, my third, third kind of uh, uh, iteration of this team and, and they'll kind of back him maybe in transfer market depending on money. So, yeah, I think... Uh, I think Atletico are our favourites at the moment, given the way they're playing and the, the lead that they have and then the kind of evolution of uh, Simeone's team. And then given the fact that we haven't really seen the best from Real Madrid either and Barcelona, I mean, Ronald Koeman has pretty much admitted it himself that they're going, they're, they're, uh, going to struggle to, to, to win it or, or, um, uh, this season. Well, just before we, we want to talk about Atletico Madrid and a bit, because I know Breton, Obviously, being a Chelsea fan is keen to know what's going on there, and, and Suarez leading that line. But just just on Barcelona, it looks like an absolute excuse my language shit show from over here. It looks like it couldn't go any worse. And and then like what was the other day? Obviously, Coutinho gets that injury. I know he's been out of sorts, maybe, but he gets a long term injury. Griezmann looks like he's been space jammed. You have the whole Messi thing hanging on. Is it just is it as grim as it seems? And how important? Robbie, to those that don't maybe understand Spanish football, how important are these elections coming up at Barcelona? Yeah, well, they're massive, uh, given the fact that we, I mean, like, yeah, I find it really interesting to think, like, how we get so used to teams being at the very, very top, and we get so used to teams dominating Barcelona, winning the league, like, uh, however many years in the last 10, like, and we have to remember as well that they're going through like this is the not currently this isn't the golden era but they're they were at the end the very end stage of a golden generation Xavi's gone Iniesta's gone Puyol and all those guys are gone and Messi is pretty, Messi and PK are pretty much our Busquets are, are kind of the last guys hanging on there and they're like in their thirties now and and and. The natural, and see, this is kind of the trouble. So, obviously, we all know about uh, Jose um, Maria Bartomeu, the former president, who, mm-hmm. and how, how poor his decisions were, and make no mistake about it, they were absolutely awful, the majority of them. Uh, and, and, and some of the transfer decisions and the money spent and wasted on players, some of the PR stuff was just absolutely out of this world. Surreal again. Um, and so... So uh, I'm not I'm not kind of making um I'm not excusing Bartomeu for that, but at the same time, we're talking about transitioning out of away from one of the the best players that ever, for, as far as I'm concerned, anyway, uh, Lionel Messi. So there was always going to be a drop off, and it was just kind of a matter of realizing when it was time to start transitioning. And I think Barcelona had no contingency plan because it is hard to. I mean, what what do you say? Like, how do you do this? Like, how do, I I don't know, and I'd hate to be the one making the decisions as to as to how do you transition away from Messi? Like, how do you firstly tell him that? Secondly, how do you tell him when he's thirty one? Okay, there might be like maybe two or three down years while we buy Pedri and 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 and, uh, and uh, reform the team. Like, how do you tell Messi that? You you basically can't. So what you do is you kind kind of try to keep um keep up the facade that we're an elite team and the whole thing is just crumbling underneath them. So, like, it is a really tough situation to in and there was always going to be a drop-off. Now, could they have mitigated it with better with better decisions at the board level? Obviously, yes. But it, it is a really tough one, like, and, and, and maybe 
Messi as well. And, 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 and in many ways, maybe Messi's move and maybe his desire to leave is, an, is a kind of like um, almost like an altruistic one. He's actually looking out for Barcelona here. He's like, look, I'll go get my because his wages are a, mar- a large part of the deal here with, with, with how poor yeah, yeah. with them, them kind of being handcuffed over the next couple of years. He's, he's thinking, OK, I'm, I need to go here because firstly, I don't want my legacy to be ruined with a couple of kind of bad years and kind of bad vibes. Secondly, maybe I could win something with City or PSG or someone in uh, in, in my last year or two because Barcelona looks like pretty much a non-runner uh, winning anything uh, in the next year or two. And, and and they can finally transition away from me and I can kind of have to uh, kind of go on my terms, I guess, rather than kind of limping off the field and, and, and <laughs> uh, in, in two or three years. So, um, like, I, I just think that, uh, like, like I said, it's a kind of a tricky one. Um, and they are they are rebuilding, as you can see, with Pedri, Trinco, uh, Serginho Dest, players like that. But... Um, I, I I also wonder like uh, what what's next for them because it's gonna be a it's gonna be there's gonna be a couple of kind of dark years for them I, I'd say dark years with, with, in relation to Barcelona they're gonna fin- that means finishing third maybe or or not getting out of the Champions League group stages for a year or two but like what, what yeah. was then that would probably yeah exactly so that would that would that's probably what they're maybe looking at for a couple of years uh until they can kind of say goodbye to messi kind of end that chapter and 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 start to rebuild again how important robbie do you think it is that he that he goes this summer and that or or this year even and, and where do you think is his most likely destination given given all that information you've just given us yeah like uh, i mean I don't know because it is worrying. Like, I mean, how how much of of Messi's underperformance will say, and and it is an underperformance at, to start this season. I mean, he still has kind of little glimpses, but that's what happens when you're best technic the best <laughs> technical footballer in the world. But like, it definitely has been underperformance, and I just wonder how much of that is kind of um how much of that is physical, how much of that is mental. I mean, he he said. There was, I think it was like the first month or six weeks into the season, he came out and said, "Look, I, I he he did an interview with with uh, uh, one of the Spanish day, uh, one of the Barcelona daily newspapers, and said, "Look, I want to put this to bed. I want to I want to end this and um, this whole transfer speculation and everything that happened, and I'm going to come out and say this and uh, and he it was kind of like him almost saying, "I need to kind of cleanse my, my own head of, of of everything that's going on because even I I'm not really over what happened this summer yet." Um, but, but he hasn't seemed to be able to shake it. Now, now, obviously, part of that is Koeman's tactics. Part of that is he doesn't have the same connection as he had with the, with the new players coming in. Um, and I mean, like, so what we're kind of what, what, what the question is: How much does he have left? Like, I mean, how much does Lionel Messi have left? And is there a team with the financial resources and that are willing to and able to rebuild? Uh, quick enough for him to fit in, like because I, I don't watch City enough. Would Lionel, Lionel Messi would fit in any team? But is our city built right now for Lionel Messi to just walk in the door and say, "I'm here, taking over the number ten role, and that's it. You ha- you adjust to me." Um, or are PSG ready to do that? Is Neymar Mbappe or or whatever's going to happen there? They will do that because. Because once you kind of start breaking it down, there's only probably one or two teams able financially to pay his wages in the current COVID situation. And then it's a matter of uh, tactical fit, because if he's going somewhere, he's going somewhere to win something. So we've only really got one or two teams, Man City or PSG. And then it just matters, I guess, Pochettino did his first press conference today and he was saying, which I thought was kind of smart, he just said, like, look, let's... He said, all, all all of the best players in the world are welcome here, which I kind of took as probably reading into it between the lines somewhere. But I kind of read that as like, we're we're looking to build a team that can win the Champions League. like, And we're willing to kind of do whatever that takes. So maybe Messi is on the table for them. But uh, yeah, I guess City and, and PSG are the two teams that you would you would think are the are the two favourites to land him if he does leave. And it- Robbie, Patrick here. Um, just again, following on from the the Messi chat there, you know, obviously he is he really is Barcelona, and as a Liverpool fan, 
you know, Gerard was Liverpool and that transition from from uh, that Brendan Rodgers sort of ushering out Gerard was a very difficult one and he ended up sort of paying the price eventually with with his job, Brendan Rodgers. Mm-hmm. But I just wondered, um, Messi had some interesting quotes out uh, last week, I think it was sort of alluding to, uh, kind of like Gerard, alluding to America as a potential destination. Do you think there is any way that... Um, you know, he might see that as a as a landing spot, so he's not having to directly compete against Barcelona at all, or is that sort of pie in the sky stuff? Yeah, again, it comes down to like how much does he feel like he has left in him, um, how willing is he to move his family to Paris or to Manchester, for that matter? Uh, I mean, that that's the question. Um, he, 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 and this is what I'm trying to get at with the is his is his drop off this season it is part of that his age his his inability kind of to be the the the, the brilliant utterly brilliant player that he we we know him as um yeah and then I mean like and then it becomes a matter of who who kind of who's running the show here like and what are they doing are they trying now to maximize his 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 um his his earnings over the next maybe three or four years or 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 like that is will he try to preserve his legacy at Barcelona and and okay if he goes to Inter Miami let's say or Los Angeles or somewhere like that um uh, obviously he won't be a one man club then but it it's on a different continent it's a different it's not one of the top five leagues so we'd almost consider that oh he he was kind of a one man club what is driving this. Uh, and then also, like you have to think of what what's his what what does he he's a kind of a quiet chap. Like I mean, he doesn't really kind of get too involved in the media and things like that. But that can change. Like you see, like to say Wayne Rooney, who was very quiet as a player in his later years, trying to stay out of trouble. And now he's a, uh, and now he's a uh, he's a manager, and he's way more light, light, uh, lively and kind of back to himself as he was when he was playing. Messi could. Like you look at like like Sergio Ramos, who who I think will probably go into acting or something when he when he uh, finishes. And you look at PK with all these business interests. What's Messi planning? What's the next stage? If it is to kind of maybe do something in the entertainment industry, we'll say Los Angeles probably would be the right move for him. But again, we we don't know like what's driving him. He keeps he keeps his kind of inner circle fairly close. He doesn't say much. Uh, he doesn't give too much away. And um, and maybe he was just leaving those options open because maybe Manchester City or PSG aren't willing to to um, uh, give him what he wants, firstly. And secondly, maybe Barcelona aren't willing to give him what he wants, like like we see with Sergio Ramos at the moment in Madrid, and he wants a two-year deal, and maybe they're only willing to go one at the price that he's currently at. So, uh, yeah, I'd say nothing's off the table at the moment, and we still have another six months to go of, of Messi in this team, and maybe he'd just be ready to kind of... Go go and play in, in America for a couple of years and kind of then call it a day after that. Six, six months, plenty left of Messi in La Liga. And, and as you touched at the start of the pod there, maybe even six months of left of Diego Simeone. That's like we're flying. I'm, I'm talking about this and about how they're leading the league. But uh, Brenton and his beloved Chelsea, they face Atleti, Atleti next in the Champions League. How big a threat do they pose? Um, and also, what has he changed this season, Robbie, at Atleti, where they aren't the sort of the the nasty little shit houses that everyone loved and adored that, that would defend everything to the death, but they're more of a free flow and attacking football. And so, sometimes it's been brilliant, but what has he changed? Yeah, so that, 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 going into every season for like the last three or four, we were kind of. Um, we were kind of asking the question as to how how Atletico were going to evolve because they had to evolve. They were fine playing against the bigger teams in Europe, defending like that and kind of catching teams on the break. But it got to the point where uh, teams were just happy to sit back and, and, and play a nil-all draw and Atletico had absolutely no way of breaking them down. And, and I actually looked for a while like Simeone didn't know how to... And he probably maybe he probably didn't. like I mean, because at the end of the day, he's played that way with Atletico since 2011 when he arrived and uh, um, and he probably 
needed uh, he had a couple of coaches come in like he had German uh, German Burgos uh, and then he, yeah. he has Nelson he has Nelson Vivas there now at the moment and uh, he had like uh, Tiago as one of his coaches and it was always like oh who, who's he going to bring in here to kind of get the best out of this Atletico side but all of a sudden this year he it, it feels like something clicked with him like it feels like he kind of realized I I'm in danger of kind of not ruining his legacy at Atletico because I think that's fairly uh, that's fairly uh, concrete at the moment. Like they absolutely love him there, but I wonder was he kind of like just even as a personal thing? Like I need to figure this out here, and I'm I need to be willing to be uncomfortable or not not, not uncomfortable. I need to be willing to be comfortable conceding maybe more shots than I than we are t- than I would normally like if it means getting out of this rut because it was just Groundhog's Day. Like, I mean, and it got to the point where people, they were saying, oh, really, really brave uh, Atletico performance, when in reality it was just them sitting back and kind of stalemates. So this season he came in and uh, they tried to kind of, they played Villarreal and Villarreal were after getting absolutely tanked by um, by Barcelona and, and, and Emery just came to, to Wanda and said, I'm not conceding here and he kind of sat back and Atletico kind of poked and prodded and things like that and tried to break them down they couldn't and they played Wesca and drew nil all again and and it was the same kind of and I was like oh, here we go again like I mean I don't know if you remember uh, Atletico drew with Girona uh, two years ago I think mm-hmm. it was years ago they drew with Alaves I remember another time and and I remember I remember um, Griezmann saying after a draw with Leganes I think it was at the at the Butarque he said, "Like, look, we're we're going to be having to fight off relegation here if we don't get our early season form uh, in order." And and uh, people kind of laughed. They go, "Like, he's kind of exaggerating." But there was it was kind of like they're talking about us as title challengers when in reality we we haven't really contended. Like, we're we're out of it by kind of November, October, November, December, and uh, yeah. So those two draws early on in the in the league this season. And Simeone came out then, played a 3-5-2, which is what he's been doing now. Uh, Mario Hermoso, former Espanol defender, who's uh, who's kind of similar to Ramos in a way, but it's kind of long switches and things like that. Uh, Simeone obviously lost Thomas Partey, so lost that kind of risk-taking pass forward, and he needed to kind of find that. And so what he did was brought in Hermoso, plays at the left of the centre, the uh, back three, Carrasco, who plays wing back for Belgium, uh, is the, is Atletico's wing back and kind of the the wellspring of their creativity and their wit and their kind of uh, velocidad, as they call it here in Spain. Um, and he's turned into a three five two, and they've just been magnificent. They kind of have their way, way more brave. Simeone saw results from that three five two, and he stuck with it, and he's kind of way more willing now to to go at teams and. It makes them a really dangerous prospect because they've still got that kind of defensive solidity and that defensive, um, that defensive uh, kind of mindset. It's it's almost uh, baked into their brains at this stage. But then <laughs> you add in these attacking concepts into three five two, which is kind of another tricky one to defend against. And all of a sudden, Atletico are really and the talent that they have. Lamar is kind of coming good. Uh, the shackles are off. Uh, Felix Suarez is like a killer up front. They got a really good squad. They got the defensive principles down, and now they're playing a more attack, and they can switch it up against kind of different opponents. So yeah, they're just really difficult to play against, and they look they look awesome. Maybe not in the last couple of weeks, but just in general, they've looked really, really good. Robbie, you mentioned there about about Suarez, um, and say with uh, Atlético this season, they've obviously conceded the least amount of goals scored, uh, the most. So. Um, mm. How and we're used to seeing them obviously concede very few goals, but but that um, goals that they've scored, um, how how important has he been to to the new approach that that Simeone has gone for this season? Yeah, he, uh, like I I don't really know how much Luis Suarez has left in him to be honest with you. Like he's he's always kind of been a heavy set uh, player. And and as he gets older, like he kind of carries that a little bit heavier, and it's kind of he kind of struggles around the pitch a little bit. But again, he's absolutely lethal in front of goals. And like um, on Sunday night or Saturday night, they bet Alaves and struggled kind of to get into it. He he gets more 
I don't know if you guys ever played GA, like, but he's like a junior. Very badly. Yeah, yeah, he, he's a junior player now, kind of coming to the end. He's getting, a, he, he finds it that little bit more difficult. He's finding, he finds it harder to kind of do the things he used to do easily, and he gets more frustrated with players and the people around him, and he, he kind of needs a very specific uh, delivery into him and things like that. So he gets frustrated easier, but. Against Alaves uh, on uh, on uh, Saturday, he he scored the winner, and just that was the kind of player. He's the kind of player that Atletico missed um, in in the last couple of years because he's kind of Diego uh, Costa and Alvaro Morata mixed into one. So he'll score all the goals that Morata scores. Plus, he brings that little bit of kind of. <laughs> Pardon the pun. He brings a little bit of bite to Atletico's attack as well. Like that day, that day, that day so bad, so badly lacked. Um, so yeah, like I mean, he his contribution overall not great, but the goals nine so far this season. That that that's the difference between being a title challenger and being the winner. Like you know, if if he wins I, it, I know Pat is going to jump in with a question here and I, but. If he wins the title and say say does something mad and dumps Barcelona out or something, a, a absolute chef's kiss of a season from Luis Suarez. Like it almost sums him up in one season. Oh yeah, do something like that. And he'll probably ride off into the night after that. Like yeah. the perfect <laughs> villain. The perfect villains. Um, the perfect villains exit. Like you know because. I mean, uh, Barcelona were given stick uh, for letting him go, but in the reality of the situation is that they kind of had to let him go. Like, I mean, they, so this is kind of part of the transition phase that Barcelona are in. Like, they're trying to trying to break down all those kind of clicks, I guess, or or kind of those connections that Messi has and make it that little bit easier when it is time for Messi to transition and. So, for example, say for, say they decide next summer, right? We're gonna re renew the team. And Suarez is still there. So you get rid of Busquets, Suarez, you sell maybe Griezmann or whatever. Griezmann's not young, not that young anymore either. So you sell you have to get rid of Messi Lee's, Suarez, Busquets, maybe PK, Jordi Alba, all in one summer. So they kind of tried to break it up into like installments almost. So so Suarez had to go in in many ways. But Atletico had to sign him too. Like the two things can be true like at the same time, you know. Um He's not finished yet, I don't think. I don't know how much he has left in him, but absolutely, if, if he can win La Liga uh, with Atletico, oh, like that, like, I mean, it will go down in history as one of the greatest single seasons ever. Better even maybe than David Villa with Atletico because of the history. We, well, obviously, Villa had the history of Barca too, but like, because of the messy thing and, and, and he went for free and oh, like stuff like that. So, yeah, it'll be absolutely. Like it'll be sold to Hollywood as a movie script, and it'll sell, <laughs> and it'll sell. Maybe for you me. could write a book on it, Robbie. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, do better this time, but uh, we'll see. Oh, he's, he's such a he's such a beautiful bastard. Like it would be a, a lovely <laughs> way to to sign off. But uh, I was going to ask Robbie about um, moving on from from Atletico. I was going to ask a bit about uh, the Basque clubs. Um, sort of went went on holiday a few years ago to a few places and. French Basque country and then the Spanish Basque country and just love the love the area and um, obviously there's so many sort of quarter of, the, of La Liga at the minute is is Basque um, and what I was going to ask you was you know what is it about the Basque country you know there's only three odd million people um, well over the whole Basque country French and Spanish but um, like how are they so successful how how are they doing so well yeah, like I mean, in terms of what they do differently, I mean, I, like you, you, you were up in 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 the Basque country, and um, like say somewhere like Bilbao is actually very similar to Ireland in many ways, and 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 the north of Spain is like that. So they, so they, and the weather, like, uh, so they kind of play a uh, Bilbao specifically play a very kind of um, I suppose more uh, hard nosed kind of football than um. And and a lot of the other teams in Spain and and I and 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 they do given the fact that they are many people up there do kind of consider themselves a little bit apart from everything and the fact that Spain is so regionalized and I mean you could go to the Basque Country and then you go to Andalusia and it's completely different like I mean in Ireland okay fair enough you get different accents and that but like you go pretty much anywhere in Ireland and and 
there'll be kind of maybe little quirks, but it's not that different. Whereas you go to Galicia, they've got their entirely their own culture. You've got um, you've got the Basque country, completely different. Some would say different country altogether. You've got Andalusia, places like um, that, and just completely different. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just kind of maybe it's just a coincidence that so many of the of the La Liga teams are Basque at the moment. But um, when you look at, like, say, for example, Ibar, what they've done economically, uh, or considering their economics and, and how they've kind of, there was a TV show the other day on about how they kind of managed their whole um, their whole setup and uh, bringing Mendili Bar in and kind of trusting him and, 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 and the style of football that they play. Just a magnificent story. And I, I, I guess they're all kind of individual in their own ways, but... The Basque country is special, uh, and the well, Bilbao have a new manager now, but Real Sociedad playing some wonderful, wonderful football this year too, and with their own distinct style as well. So I don't really know if it's much about the Basque country per se, but it's just the fact that maybe it's a coincidence that all they've got so many good teams at the moment. Yeah, no, definitely. There's a great article in BBC about Real Sociedad this week. Um, you know, having I think it was sixteen academy players in their squad, and then sort of complement it with with players like bringing in likes of David Silva and things. So it's, it seems like a really interesting project. And it, with Bilbao, obviously they have that the Cantera policy about just having the Basque players. Doesn't seem to extend to managers. Speaking of Marcelino, like what is the sort of feeling on him? Like are Bilbao fans happy with that? You know, he obviously did okay at Valencia, but but got the boot. Uh, what's the feeling there? Yeah, well, well, I guess um, I guess they're very disappointed with how the club kind of acted with uh, Garitano. Um, they had beaten. I mean, obviously, you just mentioned the kind of all Basque policy for the players, and they are a club that's steeped in that ideology and kind of uh, have always prided themselves on being a football club first, rather than kind of like any kind of a any like being run like a corporation or like a business and then they went and sacked Garitano like that and it all felt very um I mean he was I don't think he was explained the situation very clearly and he was they had beaten Elche and they still sacked him so it was like they had it planned and it wasn't very transparent from them and then they announced Marcelino the news as soon as they said Garitano was sacked the reports started coming out that Marcelino was the man in charge, and it was like they had they had obviously negotiated with him before uh, before they had even told Gareth So I think they're disappointed in that respect. But yeah, they'll be keen to kind of freshen things up. Obviously, it's been a bit of a lull there since um, since maybe maybe Ernesto Valverde left and uh, had some kind of good results and got to a Copa del Rey final that still hasn't been played yet. But yes, yeah, it's. it's it's been, you mentioned a grind earlier, kind of been a grind to watch them uh, at sometimes uh, under Garitano. Uh, so Marcelino will bring him in and we saw him with, uh, with Valencia and he's got like this strict regime about diets and he went into Valencia and absolutely cleared house, got rid of like um, loads of players in the dressing room that weren't kind of rowing in the right direction and makes the players weigh them. He's like meticulous. Even, even you can tell by looking at him, he's just kind of, aesthetic kind of character and he's really um detail orientated really kind of finicky and hard man to kind of deal with and, and we've seen that as evidence in his in his um in his past when he falls out with with club owners very easy when he doesn't get his way and things like that and uh yeah so i mean he's going to go into bilbao he obviously won't have the option of kind of clearing house at the dressing room and i don't think he has he probably has many issues there anyway but uh yeah he'll have to work with what he's got but he will get them kind of playing his 442 uh they'll be very uh detail orientated kind of very uh meticulous in what they're doing back to that kind of 442 defensive hard nose counter-attacking football and then um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, at, at at the end of the day, I mean, okay, Bilbao fans can be disappointed that Garitano was treated the way he was, but if Marcelino comes in and gets three half decent results in the next month against Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico, they'll they'll probably soon forget about the former manager and they'll be they'll be kind of <laughs> delighted that the change was made because it was necessary. They just felt like it should have been done in a more transparent and kind of uh, a nicer way. When when the likes of say Bilbao and Sociedad, I know they have their own derby, which is obviously 
unbelievable. When they see the likes of Atleti, Real Madrid, and and Barcelona on the fixture list, is there like a buzz then with them as well? They sometimes you would see in the Premier League if some of the teams went there, there'd be sort of a, a hype about it. Do they sort of? I know because uh, Maradona obviously passed recently, and there was the whole talk about how he could always Barcelona, and there was this butcher of Bilbao it completely cut him in half, and then there was that rivalry with Stoke. There is there rivalries like that there too between the Basque clubs and the other parts of Spain. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's anything kind of got to do with that, but I, I would uh, definitely. I mean, you watch, you, you you like. I mean, Real Madrid and Barcelona. Like, it's kind of funny how. I'm not saying you don't understand, but like, on, until you kind of live here, you, like, like Real Madrid are an institution of Spain. Like, they're they're they're, they're like, yeah. when they get knocked out of Europe, it's an insult to Spain almost. Like, you're like the team that's playing them has just offended Spain, and the same for Barcelona in Catalonia. Like, so like they are. The, the ghost of Barcelona and Real Madrid haunts every corner of Spanish football. And, and like, like, like every single, not every single person, but, but I think it was like 80% of people support either Real Madrid or Barcelona, uh, and then they support their own team. So, for example, when, Vallecas, when, when, when Madrid came to Vallecas, I invited a friend of mine who's from Albacete, a small working class uh, city uh, in the in the south, just kind of a little bit further uh, further south in Spain, in the second division, uh, like kind of struggling to kind of stave off relegation and kind of mid table Segunda team, and here was this friend of mine, and he was cheering for Real Madrid, and I was kind of looking at him, going, like, Rio are your team, like. Like, or not, 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 Rio are the equivalent of Albacete. Like, what? and he's like, oh, Real Madrid. He he didn't really support Real Madrid. I, I think actually Albacete were playing at the same time, and he was watching Albacete on his phone while he cheered Real Madrid on in Vallecas. And it was the day actually that Real Madrid, uh, Rio bet him. It was uh, the the kind of the end of la, uh, that was last season when yeah, Zidane kind of was an absolutely awful performance. But anyway, they, they yeah, and, and and like so 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 you go to Vallecas and Madrid are playing, and there's thousands of Madrid Madrid fans there. Or uh, you go anywhere when Barcelona Real Madrid are playing, and it's a huge day. So yeah, to answer your question, anytime either of those teams, it's it's massive for the economy of the town because there's so many people there and so much interest, and also for the opposition teams because you play well against one of them teams, and you know you're being watched around the world, it's like. Rather than when you go and play against say, Elche, there's not as many people watching, like you know. Um, I have a couple other questions for you as well, Robbie. So when all when when we've finally beat beaten COVID, um, I know it doesn't look likely at the minute, but we will. And the 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 Babel decide to come and, and visit you in Madrid uh, next season, all being well. What would be your ideal weekend for us? You're going to take us out. You're going to show us around the football. Where would you take us? What ground or grounds? Uh, what games would you hopefully the fixture list would kindly give us? And um, where would we go? What would we do? Well, ideally, uh, we could plan a we could plan like a a, a trip to maybe Valencia. So so we we kind of try to organise it so that Rio were playing on the Saturday. Get into the car, then drive to maybe. Oh yeah, we could drive anywhere. Like you could, uh, like me and I, I. There's a guy Richard Cosmala who's um uh, a, a huge Spanish football fan. He's on Twitter and everything. So he comes to Spain all the time and knows knows a lot of the guys here and, and some of my friends. And he loves away days. So he'll text me, Robbie. I'm coming this day. What 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 do you think? And so we went the last day. We went to um. I, I don't think we went to we went to, went to see Rio. Then we went to see a basketball game of Estudiantes playing in Madrid. And then that night we got in the car and drove up to Valladolid and watched Valladolid playing. And then drove home that night. So I mean, provided you're and I am willing to drive. Provided you're willing to drive, <laughs> we can get to pretty much wherever you want to go. Once the fixtures fall in place for us, we can go wherever we want to go. And, and I'd be more than willing to drive you guys if you did ever come over. And 
as long as you supply the coffees, I'll supply the the wheels. <laughs> well, I, I are you going to regret saying that now because <laughs> no. the three of us will, will be certainly on our en route to Madrid uh, when when travelling. Like that actually sounds like my perfect holiday, and I know uh, from the two lads here as well, Brenton and especially Patrick, who uh, I think he's been everywhere in the world this when he's when he be finished. Um, that's certainly something right up his street to go to all those games and sporting occasions and just to see parts of Spain because there obviously is a, a, a cultural side too to following football and maybe we don't get to see as much of that because we're in Ireland and, and if we don't get to England as much to see things sometimes you're just in and out whereas I'd rather go on a trip where you can go and experience the place too for a couple of hours and I know Patrick that'll be something to be right up your street Oh jeez football tourism where did I sign up <laughs> absolutely I, I have a I have another question Robbie sort of along similar uh, lines very hypothetical fantastical question uh, for you but if uh, if you were a professional footballer Robbie and uh, you had to play for a club in Spain we'll, we'll take money aside um, where would you Who? what sort of group of uh, what, what club and what group of fans would you like to play for uh, and where would you like to live Oh, it's 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 Rio all the way. I mean, I, like <laughs> as far as as far as um as far as and 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 it's kind of funny because cause like it's it's probably not it is romantic. There's a romanticism about Vallecas. There's something there's something there that that is hard to find. And 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 the problem kind of on the, being on the outside looking in, which I would still consider myself to be on the outside looking in. The, the problem is you kind of start to think everyone thinks like that. They're all left wing. They're all um, against kind of the um, modern football and all that. And the reality is that they're not like they're, they're a huge group of people with varying opinions, varying uh, um thoughts on, on, on the owner, on how football should be played, how football should be governed, um, how fans should act. So there was the a protest at the start of last year about the, um, about the, or sorry, the start of, yeah, last year, yeah, sorry, I'm thinking that the, I'm separating the two seasons. At the start of last year where the fans didn't show up and then there was some of the people saying, no, you always support your team, all, all that kind of stuff. So once you get into it, the reality is that it's a lot more complicated than you probably initially think. And it's not like you can't just uh, a broad brush stroke across the entirety of the people from Vallecas. But the major the, the, a majority of people there are left leaning. They're very community like and, and, and it's something that kind of I would I mean, I. I'm fr I'm from a small town here in in Ireland, and I mean the community like is. It's only when I come back here, say for Christmas and things like that, when I realise just how special those small town that small town community is. And and for me, that's something that I would put at the top of my list of priorities for places that I kind of live in, uh, um, teams that maybe I support, and places that I like to go to, and things like that, and, and the kind of people that, that grow up from that. So a lot of the people from Vallecas, uh, it's a working class area, and the working class in general are, are, are tend to be wittier, they tend to be better fun, they tend to be more open, um, and, 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 they, and I find that is the case in Vallecas. So if when I make it as a professional footballer, because I haven't, <laughs> haven't given up on that dream yet. Now, if I was a professional footballer, absolutely right. I mean, even the aesthetics of the jersey, I mean, it just looks so cool. Everything about that stadium. Uh, yeah, so many lovely memories there. If I could just run out on that field once or twice and kick a ball in the goals, I'd, I'd, uh, I, that would make me a very, very happy man. Paddy would nice be a one. big fan of an of a sash on a shirt, wouldn't uh, you? On a, on a football shirt, Paddy, wouldn't you? Absolutely, can't get enough of diagonals on football shirts. Like <laughs> completely my favorite, my favorite one. And I remember, I can still remember Rio. Whenever they got promoted late nineties, I remember that shirt. You know, uh, and it had like a little bumblebee or something yeah. in the middle of it. I don't know what their sponsor was, but yeah. I can still picture it. And it's beautiful. Yeah, that was Rumasa, Ru Ru the company owned by the former, by the former owner. Actually, he um, that was his company, yeah, Rumasa, the, the the yellow bumblebee. The, it was kind of big. Yeah, I remember that jersey. But uh, yeah, the Peru jersey. I was actually kind of. Oh. I, I saw the Southampton jersey, and I was kind of like, ah, oh, look, it's, it's just like Rio. But then I was kind of like, ah, it's not the same, and you know. <laughs> 
but the Peru jersey is absolutely beautiful as well, and obviously the River Plate, and yeah, I, I think it's fabulous. The white and the red just is just aesthetically very pleasing. Yeah, uh, if if you could, Robbie, what what's been your footballing highlight since you've been in Spain or covered Spanish football, and not necessarily maybe love two, maybe you've one that you just experienced as a fan, or maybe you've one that you've wrote or you've worked on. What have been your highlights? Yeah, it would probably have to be one of those um one of those games in Vallecas because like yeah, like um the day they bet Real Madrid, like I mean it meant absolutely nothing to Rio. They ended up going down anyway, but like I mean, when you think about the, the differences in how the thing is run, like I mean if you if you saw like Rio Stadium is is kind of it's falling down and the players it's it's such a different world. Like I mean and then you look at Real Madrid's training ground, Valdebebas, and the players driving in, in in those cars, and 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 the, the attention that they get, and like, and Real Madrid, like those those footballers are the the absolute best athletes in the world, like elite elite sports stars treated as such, and and then you look at Rio, and I'm not saying that they're not treat they're not excellent athletes, obviously brilliant. Uh, but like they don't get the attention. Like like you could go to Vallecas. Like I was in Vallecas outside the stadium one day, and the players were just like walking from the cafe down into the dressing rooms, like walking by. And I was like, are they like? I was like, that's kind of cool. Like you know, and you kind of see that. And I guess that's maybe normal for like a lot of the smaller kind of clubs around Spain. But you'd never see that in in Madrid. Like they they'd be swarmed. Like and 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 for the fact that Rio bet them one nil in Vallecas, and I was there with some friends of mine, and they had never seen that. Like they had never seen it. Um, and I was just like, this is this is an incredible feat. Like almost it'd be like it'd be like Kildare beating Dublin in the GAA or something at the moment. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. an absolute unbelievable thing to do. Like over ninety minutes, beat the best team in the world and. And and Arroyo actually went close that year against Barcelona as well. Uh, lost three two in the end. But like you're sitting there going, this is this is incredible. Like an amazing moment. So probably one of those moments definitely. And 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 um, in the moment you kind of know it's special. But then you think back and you're like, oh, especially given the fact that we haven't been to a game in so long. You're looking back on, oh my god, like I I can't wait to get back there. Like and you realize then how special those moments were. You know. Who who was who was the Rio manager then? Was it Paco um, Ramos? One day Ramos managed them. Oh, oh yeah. you mean like last season? Oh, who, yeah, who no. beat, when they beat Real Madrid? It was only two years ago. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this season is last season. It was two. It would have been like three seasons ago, I think. Well, Michel had been sacked, so it would have been Paco Jemez, I'm sure. Yeah, Paco Jemez. Uh, oh, that's it. Was I? Paco yeah. Jemez. Um. I obviously I know how Rio are doing this season because um, I am a complete fanboy of Sydney Low. Uh, I just love all the stuff and never miss his Guardian articles. And I jumped on the Real Oviedo bandwagon when when he was um, looking for someone people. To, so I I would follow Segunda. So they're sitting fourth at the minute, Robbie. Do you see them coming back up this season, or do you think it's maybe going to be a battle through the playoffs? I would imagine maybe a battle through the playoffs, but see the problem with the Segunda is, is that kind of form is such a kind of an elusive thing in the Segunda. Like you're okay, you get the, the best teams. Espanol are obviously really good this year, Mallorca. But like yeah, a couple of injuries and kind of fatigue sets in, especially given the season we had or the players had. And um, like what Ireola has done with Rio is they're probably not as exciting, but that is, um, and they don't kind of score as often. But he's kind of making them way more solid. And I would, when when in in terms of kind of talking about promotion, that's probably a better approach, the the boring approach than a kind of hell for leather. Any kind of any version of Rio could show up. So I would imagine it will end up having to be through the playoffs, but. Uh, They've been on a decent enough run lately, so if they can kind of keep that going, um, uh, I mean, uh, I wouldn't rule out automatic promotion, but it does look like maybe they're kind of maybe the third or fourth best team in that division this year. So um, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, it looks like it probably will be promote or uh, playoffs. Yeah, I, th- I think as well. I know Pat is going to finish off with the question. I think you might have converted a few lads into. Um... 
Rail fans as well, sir. So you, you might have you might have a few more questions after this podcast in the next couple of weeks about what's been going on. But I think Patrick has one more question for you. Yes, yeah, sorry to keep you on. This is this is the my last question. Something we asked uh, one of one of our guests last week about German football, but mm-hmm. um, in terms of fan experience, which ground is the best for a beer and some food? And and what 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 would you drink and what would you eat? Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, see, I, I tend to drive to a lot of the matches, so it tends to be a Coke Zero or coffee for me. Um, in terms of, in terms of, uh, where do I enjoy most? Uh, uh, San Mames is pretty special. Um, I, I just love Bilbao in general because it's kind of similar to maybe somewhere like Dublin or, or somewhere like that. So and and like uh, like not a massive city, but big enough. But you can get around and 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 obviously the stadium stadium is is um is really impressive. Uh, Vallecas, obviously, yeah. Uh, oh, I I, I kind of don't want to say Rayo again because my <laughs> no, I do. My bias is definitely still. Yeah, like I mean, Vallecas is good in the fact that it's kind of it's kind of um it's kind of really closed in, but there wouldn't be that many kind of cool bars around like that. But I guess it depends on what you're looking for. Like the Wanda at the moment, I know a lot of Atletico fans probably won't like me saying that, but the Wanda at the moment, it's really modern. It's it's as I was saying to you earlier before we went online, uh, it's kind of close to where I live, so it's not too bad. But uh, it's really modern. There's plenty of places to kind of go before the games and stuff like that, and it's it's really impressive. Um, to, to be honest with you, you know what I loved, and maybe it was because of um, the the fact that it was kind of like a Sunday night game, and the whole night, it was we went to see Valladolid play in Sevilla uh, most recently. Uh, I love Valladolid Stadium. It was kind of really kind of throwback to it was kind of in the outskirts, and it was cold and raining. And I was just like, ah, oh, this is what it's all about. Like, and it's a really, a really fascinating, <laughs> a really impressive stadium as well. Like, so uh, yeah, Valladolid. Uh, yeah, Vallecas, as I said, the one that's nice. Um, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's. Have, have you been? Have you been to Oviedo? No, I haven't. Oh, sorry, I was. Yeah, I was at. I was at the yeah. Carlos Tartiere uh, to see them play in Rio, and then I went back again after that. I think, but yeah, I went to see them play in Rio. Uh, it was. A, it was. A, it was a Sunday afternoon kickoff, so it was a little bit early. Um, uh, and I I had the car, so I kind of yeah, and I had just kind of started watching Rio then as well. So, uh, do, do you know what I really liked? I liked Zaragoza. It, to be honest with you, I actually probably pick Zaragoza actually because it's got like a metro, like a uh, like a Lewis, you know, the Lewis uh, in Dublin. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. kind of like one of those, and you drive, you you, you get the Lewis down, and you kind of walk in, not not overly packed either. And um, it, lovely bars outside that you can sit, and the weather was nice when I was there. And uh, you can kind of relax and, and have yourself a beer or a coffee, whatever. And then uh, the stadium itself is kind of one of those old European open kind of air stadiums, and it was really, really impressive as well. I was so my brilliant wife had booked me for my 30th there two years ago uh, as a surprise towards the end of the season uh, to go see Real Oviedo. Mm. Um, they, they'd fallen as they do out of the playoff contentions but they, they were sat mid-table but I was getting to go see Real Oviedo I was absolutely buzzing and what did the Spanish football authorities do about five days before we were due to fly out? Changed the date they, they changed the date and we we landed as the game finished oh my god um, yeah so I, I had a full weekend in Oviedo which is a lovely a beautiful city um, and I, I really, we really enjoyed our weekend there. We just made the most of it. But the club were unbelievable, Dustin. They heard what happened. Oh. They took us up. They gave us a free tour. I got a jersey. And um, when we go back, if, if we can ever get back, um, with free match tickets, it was they were absolutely outstanding to us. Free tour of the stadium, and all it was class. But I, I was, I was heartbroken not because I missed the football, but I wanted that experience that you said you had when you're in via the lid. That stadium is. Like it's it's an old schoolish type. It is a little bit modern, but it's still there's still an old school yeah. bit, too, especially when you walk around the outside. Yeah. Plus, it hosted some of the games in the World Cup. I think Northern Ireland might have played there in in the World Cup as well. And um, so I just wanted to be there, and yeah, yeah. we didn't. But they, they let me onto the pitch anyway. I didn't get to boot a football, but I was on the pitch and I was walking around. It was class, like so. Yeah. Fingers crossed oh, uh, when yeah. we were able to come and visit you, Robbie. Um, we will be able to go and see football, and the Spanish authorities will not uh, screw me over like they did that time. But um, 
It is what it is. Robbie, thank you so much for coming on and chatting to us tonight. Um, we really appreciate it. For anyone at home that doesn't know, where can people find your brilliant writing? Uh, uh, Robbie J. Dunn uh, on Twitter pretty much is where I'm writing at the moment. Uh, um, and everything I write, I put on there. So, yeah, you can find me there. Happy days. And, uh, Robbie, hopefully speak to you again soon and enjoy the football, sir. Absolutely, lads. Whenever you, you want me on, give me a shout and I'll uh, happily oblige. Thanks very much. Great, great stuff. <laughs> Sorry, Patrick. And if you want to catch any of our podcasts, including this one, um, just check us out at the Sports Babble on all your podcast apps and get us on our social medias. Just look for the Sports Babble. See you again next week, folks, and good luck.